Hello, and welcome to episode 182 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybuck, and joining me this evening are my favorite co-hosts, Spirit and Vrabin. How are you doing this evening, Vrabin? I'm doing pretty well. I'm glad to be recording. We've had kind of a break, but there's not much to talk about. Yeah, kind of kind of a slow period, and, you know, we're just sort of on and off and throwing in some random personal crises and all that, but uh, it's, it's always good to record and talk about whatever new developments there are to talk about. And how are you doing this evening, afternoon, yourself, Spirit? I'm a favorite. Yeah. Uh, take that, Eric and Evie. <laughs> well, you show up more, so at least there's that. Yeah, Evie's head doesn't have internet or something, I don't know. Yeah, he's just moved, and there's yeah, there's a, a chaos in the kitchen, which I heard firsthand while we were raiding, and a bunch of bowls went kaboom, boom, boom. That's the sound the bowls make when they fall. And then the internet stopped? Yes. That's tragic. Is it affecting rating too? Oh no, I don't think no. We've 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 been plugging away at the raids. But Evie doesn't get to raid is I guess the thing though, right? No, he's there. Then what's that? He has internet. What's oh I'm <laughs> But Clearly, speaking raids of raids the They probably are. I don't know. I don't really raid, but I, I don't know. I, I can't say which is more important. Raids or Or the podcast. Oh, duh, the podcast. I'm pretty okay. sure you should know that. <laughs> But we are going to mostly be focusing this episode on the some of the newer events that are cropping up in small patches and how they relate to the raid story and to Guild Wars 1 and all that jazz, because that's pretty much all the news there is to talk about this week. So Rabin was actually the one who wanted to kick this idea off, so why don't you just start off wherever you want to start off, because you seem pretty excited about the possibilities and connections. So Okay, cool. Well, first, before I forget, and it just gets swept under the rug, because that seems like something easy to forget, there was a little update with the uh, Leyline-y um, dragon minion stuff going on, where you'd find a uh, an unidentified uh, runestone, I think is what it was, or something much like any of the other runestones you get from the dragons, um, you know, they're themed by the dragon. Anyway, and you take it to a Magistar so-and-so, I forgot her name, in uh, Lion's Arch, and she would give you uh, a, a bounty, and you'd go and hunt down dragon minions that are seem to be affected by the uh, the, the leyline energy that has been released since Mordormoth is gone. So that was kind of cool, but it wasn't, it's not totally unexpected, you know. It was the the previous uh, you know update to what we're really going to be talking about today, which is bandits. 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 And we now have confirmation. <laughs> Not the wet bandits. <laughs> or the sticky bandits, or whatever. Uh, that's Home Alone, right? <laughs> yeah, yes. it's Home yeah. Alone. <laughs> the references are out of this world. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so, uh, we've got confirmation. This was like Raid Wing 2, right? that uh, the bandits are somehow connected to the White Mantle. I don't think all the bandits know their White Mantle, but they have roots and they're being commanded by the White Mantle, which is is kind of big. Yeah, that's sort of been a recurring theme. I'm, I'm sure we've talked about it on the show before, that there seems to be a lot of iconography and symbols common between the white mantle and the bandits in terms of like items that they drop or things like that there's been a lot of sort of subtle references especially subtle if you never played guild wars one they would probably just flew over your head um well, if you did one of the uh, human storylines i think there was i didn't do it but i've heard that there's one that kind of puts together some connections and maybe it mentions the white mantle yeah um I'm not sure which. It's sort of in the second tier. I don't remember what it is. It's, it's isn't not, that the one uh, where you uh, always tried to find, or you you never found your sister that died, and like you always regretted maybe? it because she was a uh, like an officer. Because shiny was, blade. Yeah. Maybe I all I know is it's the one where Logan, where you set a trap, and Logan's like, "Oh no, is this the end of poor Logan?" And it's voiced about as enthusiastically as that. <laughs> Wait, is that actually Troy Baker doing the voice? And he does does oh, it like yeah. that. That's yeah. awesome! I need to listen to this. No, it's a really good storyline. I highly recommend going out of the way. I'll try and find which one. But it is I need so I need to hear that. Troy Baker voice acting badly. <laughs> I didn't know. It was, I mean, they must have told him to, or something. something. Anyway, yeah. So it's it's been a constant theme that's been reinforced, but but quite subtly on the on the sideline. There's since there's been so many sort of Silvari-focused storylines, I guess mm -hmm. it would be fair to say. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of one of those things that 
you know, it's it's always been there, but it's been mostly just sort of not a focal point of the story. And yeah. so this has been sort of the first, well, not because it was referenced in Dry Top and Silver Waste too, oh, right? Okay. Um, I mildly. think vaguely. Yeah, I think the last big one was uh, this personal story and the tentative connections in Codicus's manner. Um, and that's just been put down since then, which get, brings up questions. I mean, has Codicus been hanging out in the palace, like under house arrest, all this time? <laughs> <laughs> we don't talk about that. No, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that there was something, like one of the drops uh, in Dry Top or in Silver Waste, uh, I guess probably Silver Waste from Bandits, there was like some thing i don't know i don't really remember there was there was something about it though that was more recent Um, than launch of the game yeah so just to confirm the the storyline choice is uh your biggest regret is that you never knew your parents you never searched for your true parents Ah. Uh, it is the human to your uh, second chapter of the story it doesn't matter if you're a street a commoner or a noble as long as that is your choice um you will get that storyline um they it definitely delves into the white mantle and sort of the history of the white mantle in Krita. Um, I believe there is one character, at least one character in that storyline that is confirmed white mantle. And then next thing chronologically would yes be Codicus's Manor, the story mode. Um, I'm not sure, maybe a little bit of explorable mode. I don't think the explorable modes touch on it so much. And then yeah, I think the next thing would have been Silver Wastes. Um, and in Silver Waste, I don't recall particularly any um, any items that like any drops. Like there was, that... I want to say it was like a, a like a a trophy that had that looked like a white mantle badge or something like that. Maybe I don't know. Well, bandit crests are the yeah are currency crests. in there, which is a little bit weird. And oh. each fort has interactable items in it. There's like a like a you know a badge i'm pretty sure there's an interactable item that has it, there's it's like notes called a badge around and it yeah. says, this looks like a white mantle badge or something i don't know <laughs> it's something uh sort of if you don't if you, definitely definitely if you don't have the history or the, you know the the knowledge of the white mantle it might go past you but if you have ever encountered them playing galore's wonder and stuff it's very very obvious that these these are tied to the white mantle and the silver waste are sort of weird because it wasn't I mean, the Silver Waste wasn't always accessible to players. That is a more recent map, um, sort of. I mean, it was it was pre Heart of Thorns, but uh, the newest map pre Heart of Thorns, which is a lot of qualifying words to say that it is it is new old. Um, it it's, was it's not there old at now, but it yeah, it's old now, but it's post launch in from the yeah. Living Story season two where they started trying to put out permanent content instead of mm-hmm. new zones you that then that came and went. In- entirely more eloquently than i did but uh before there was silver waste there was a fort full of level 80 bandits there and it was always sort of a source of intrigue for us yeah especially um, since they're kind of abandoned it really shows that mortarmoth came in and drew, drove them out but there was operations going on before that i think is the thing that i yeah. came away the, well and if i the recall bandits back were level 80 yeah, yeah. All the way in back at launch, there zone. was there was like a a gate there that was not just a physical gate, but the actual uh-huh. portal type gates that we walk between zones through. So it was like there was always a portal there, but it didn't go anywhere mm-hmm. because it was blocked off by the structure that you couldn't get into or around. So and there's there's been a couple of those, and I yeah, there's been a couple of those that have just always been that way, and it's it was very cool when they linked that to something you know, to a new zone, but it was like, we've always known that that went somewhere, or at least could go somewhere. So. Yeah, Brisbane Wilds is full of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Um, yeah, I'm but then... Going, I'm, no, sorry, go ahead. Then I guess the real confirmation, the undeniable link, though, has been in Raid Wing 2, where we see bandits with, you know, Inquisitor names. Doesn't Isn't the Matthias called an Inquisitor or something? I mean, Matthias is such an inquisitory sounding name anyway. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, <laughs> I actually do not know his full name, and I am tremendously embarrassed right now because I've just uh, always uh, I know it's Matthias Gabriel, uh, fondly known as Matty G. <laughs> but I don't know his title, so but, I'm sorry. I I honestly don't know. But I mean, you come to a temple; it's now undeniable there are clear links between the White Mantle and the Bandits, and even hints towards the Mursat, which I think is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the story of, of Raid Wing 2 sort of starts out, um, I mean... The, Raid Wing 2 the links... spoilers, by the way. 
Yeah, I I think honestly we should make a spoiler thing and put it at the beginning. I didn't know what all we'd be covering, but we should probably talk about that at some point. I was um, thinking about it, but I forgot. So yeah, we'll have to put it at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically the Bandit storyline even picks up in Raid Wing One already, where Bandits have taken the the Pact back. But um, it you're not necessarily directly fighting them. You're sort of fighting the consequences of their their actions uh Gorsival being the the spirits of the many many people that they've killed uh Veilguarding being some sort of defenses magical defenses that they've mounted and then Zavitha herself who's of course a bandit um but but two is is more about delving into what exactly the bandits are doing there not that just they are there um and they are killing people lots of people a, a lot <laughs> and with the the skills that Matthias uses his, you know, bloodstone, sacrificial stuff. It's mm-hmm. hearkening back to what the White Mantle was doing to people in Guild Wars 1 when they were sacrificing people on the bloodstones to charge the door of Kamali for the Mursat. So there's definite links, you know, uh, overtones that something's going on with soul energy and soul batteries. So, yeah, there's that too. Yeah, and we the the whole Heart of Thorns area is pretty close to the bloodstone, right? Yeah. So... Well, I'm pretty sure the Bloodstones, Bloodstones probably, it's just like northeast or northwest of where we've been in the Raid Wings is where it should be, what people right. have supposed. Yeah, yeah, somewhere around there, if my Guild Wars mm-hmm. 1 memory serves me correctly. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who does all the... Uh, that Shaman. That Shaman, yeah. I think he did an overlay, and it's right around there somewhere. You overlay the maps. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually pulling it up right now, and I will put a link to this in the show notes. Uh, it's called That Shaman's Historical Guide to Tyria, and it's got an overlay um, of... He's got both versions where it's a Guild Wars 2 map, and Guild Wars 2, one location is plotted on that map, and a Guild Wars 1 map with Guild Wars 2 locations plotted on it. Cool. So that brings us to, you know, we've done the Raid Wing. That brings us back to um, the recent updates where we're finding uh, orders. If you kill a bandit, um, you may have done this already. You may get orders. You take it to a Shining Blade person in Divinity's Reach. They decode it for you, and you go kill a bandit, a named champion bandit. And this I thought was interesting, because they have these crazy names. Oh, like Vic the Iron is one of them, or something the Crimson. And though the names don't match directly to the uh, Mersat that we had in Guild Wars 1, it's in the same vein. It's the same type of thing. Like in Guild Wars 1, I'm going to read a few of these because they're funny. We had uh, Mersat named things like Lucent the Spectral, or uh, where's the Optimus Caliph? That was, I guess it's kind of a shout out to Opt, so I don't know. <laughs> Sarlacc the Judge, Willem the Demeaning, this one, Odolin the Displeased, that one always always made me laugh. You know, he's <laughs> always displeased for some reason. How about Willa the Unpleasant? Because I Willem. remember how goddamn Willa. unpleasant that was. Oh yeah, that's right. The oh, one man, that I you think... like needed to have an interrupter slash uh, enchantment That's... stripper on because they literally like, yes, would just yes. heal through every amount of damage unless you took a specialized build to counter her. And I think I think Willa was right next to Demetrius the Enduring, or they could be next to each other. So you're right. You had these two monks that were just like invincible. It was so annoying. I even it, put in the show notes. Everyone hated this guy. It was the worst. <laughs> yeah. It was. It, I. I still it it created it burned a memory it seared it into my brain space. Like, I'm glad I wasn't the only one because we literally had to stop the mission and I had to change my uh, my uh, mesmer build specifically for that boss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like you needed you pretty much needed to have a mesmer with you to deal with that because it was so bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I'm not the only one who went through that. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's old Guild Wars one memories, man. Did yeah. like. Spirit, did you ever run across that? You were such a latecomer, you may have not even done all these things. I think people that came late <sighs> already had the builds that just they walked over and didn't notice. Um, I mean, I don't remember the specific names. I do definitely remember cursing some under my be- my breath. Uh, maybe not those specific ones, but like, this is really unpleasant. Like, I definitely re- I remember that. I'm not sure it was those specific bosses. Um, I did vanquish. I did get my Gwam. I did get fifty fifty. I did a lot in Guild Wars one. I just don't remember those particular ones. Yeah. All right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. If so because I think for what skill it was, capping, I guarantee you, I did them because I think the one uh, that I'm thinking of skill capping was in one of the missions. It was one of the missions you had to do when you were in the Ring of Fire. Uh, yeah, but I don't think monks. she was always there. I don't think Willow was always oh, okay. there. Um, the thing is that if I 
remember correctly, they had an elite skill that was extremely good to cap, but I believe you could cap it elsewhere in future games. Oh, that's probably probably what it was. Um, let's see. It's possible. I know I, I definitely spent some time in the Ring of Fire capping skills, but I don't remember which ones in yeah. particular. So, Willa had uh, Contemplation of Purity. Oh. And... Aura of Faith was her elite, it says. Oh yeah, sorry, Aura of Faith, that's what I meant. Yeah, but you could get that from like five different people. Two, three, four, five. Yeah, so, yeah, anyway. Oh, unpleasant Guild Wars 1 memories. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but so I think it's interesting and it's harkening back to Guild Wars 1 in the way that these elite bandits are obviously looking up to the Mursat. They have knowledge of Mursat and they've either either been given or chosen names for themselves in the same vein as, you know, Mursat, the Mursat gods from, you know, days gone by, which someone's going to say. No, not really. Which makes me really wonder in what capacity we are going to uh, see the Mursat, because I think we're going to have to. And I, I, I really hope that cause a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about uh, what's his name, Lazarus, Lazarus, the uh, Dyer, Dyer is his name. Um, which I was surprised. The reason I stripped up on that is because we didn't actually fight Lazarus the Dyer in Guild Wars One. We fought the aspect of Lazarus when I was looking on the wiki, and he was in the Eye of the North. Oh. So. Um, that would be one of his aspects because I think that's his deal. He's like sharded out, and he's he was in was he inside of Hablion if I remember correctly? Was he like Harry Potter spoilers super Voldemorty? Kind of. Like, is that the sort of thing? He's got Horcruxes. Uh, I guess you could call it that because there's shards of him inside of uh, White Mantle Elite, and in order for him to get them, he had to kill him. And it was Hablion or someone that we met in Eye of the North that had figured this out and was like, "Yeah, I'm just hiding and trying to keep him from you know pulling his shard out of me." and killing me if i remember correctly i could be completely off but if uh lazarus is just the end raid boss for raid wing 3 i mean i'd be kind of i think it'd be cool that they put him back into the game and you know there's a throwback from guild wars but i really think it'd be a shame if that's it and it's like oh you did this and now he's like, i'd like the story to develop more but maybe that's just my my own opinion there yeah i i it's a little it's a little frustrating that the story in the raid is not as sort of side plotty as I would have expected. Mm -hmm. um, like, like when they very first told us that there was going to be story in the raids, but that it wasn't like critical or so. I don't know exactly how they phrased it, but it was sort of like side story sounding. This doesn't feel very side story sounding as somebody who knows about Guild Wars yeah, this and, is intrinsic Guild Wars lore is what it is. Yeah, like this is, you know, uh, yeah, it, it does not feel very side story-y to me, and it especially doesn't feel that way when we haven't gotten any living story at all, um, you know, and we're probably not going to get it before, I don't know, July or something. So that's like nine months after Heart of Thorns released, and this is the only story content that we've gotten. So like the combination of it being the only example of story we've gotten and coupled with the specific topics that are covered sort of rubs me a little bit wrong, I guess. I'm not super upset about it, but it it feels like they were sort of uh, underselling the importance of the story if you are into that kind of thing. Yeah, so. and there's so much that could be done. I mean, when Guild Wars 1 ended, you know, the door closed and we didn't see what was going on, there were so many things that were so important. I mean, Lazarus Sadire being one of them. There's, you know, what's going on with the door of Kamali? What's going on in the Ring of Fire now? Um, I mean, didn't Guild Wars Eye of the North end with Livia getting the uh, Scepter of yep. Ore? Yep. I mean, where is that? And th that stuff could tie into this. I mean, it's directly related to the Mursat in ways. So yeah, I mean, it'd be... there's been a there's been a long running theory that Livia is actually uh, Countess Anise in disguise. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I've heard that one, but I don't know. I don't know. Why is she so mesmery then? Unless Livia is just uh, attuned to all the professions, I don't know. Um, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, secondary profession. I guess. <laughs> Scepter of Ore gives you godlike power. I don't know. It must be, because it isn't just a uh, necro thing like most people think it is. I mean, how many 300-year-old necromancers do you know? Uh, my my necro in, uh, in Guild Wars 2 is supposed to be, because I pretend that, you know, my in my headcanon, she lived, but... Yeah, well, you know. Anyway. That's just headcanon. Yeah, that doesn't quite count. It doesn't count at all. But... Yeah, so uh, apparently in Raid Wing 2, Spirit just walked me through a completed Raid Wing 2 to look at 
you know, the notes and the sort of show me around the area and all that jazz. So it's officially explicitly confirmed that bandits and bandits are white mantle slash the white mantle have been organizing bandits, things like that. So that cat is now out of the bag officially. And, you know, like you said, we're, we've been getting new uh, mini content updates, I guess you would call them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to that effect, which is cool. I actually it- thought it was funny that um, last time we did a podcast, we talked about the ley lines event appearing, ley line events appearing and i said right at the end of the right at the end of the show i said um there's a patch tomorrow i bet you that something more will happen with the ley lines and then they went a totally different direction now we've got this bandit story going i did not expect that at all yeah yeah it's it harkens back in a lot of ways to early season one of living story where there wasn't a whole lot of story but something had changed in the world and I think we talked about this last time as well, but mm-hmm. this is just a continuation of that. And it feels it feels good to have that kind of thing coming back. I just just you know felt yeah, like I saying think, that yeah. again. No, I I definitely agree. Um, it's really in like it's nice to have something to look forward to on a regular basis. It's nice to have sort of a a brain teaser, I guess, in terms mm-hmm. of well, what the, could, what could this be connected to and. You know, what does this look like? And, you know, I mean, the events themselves aren't aren't particularly compelling, although I will have some nasty words to say about the attacks that some of those bandits have uh, and the solo ability of some of those. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of nice to have. I actually, I had asked um, sort of a very long time ago, I said it would be really cool if there was a team that was just sort of dedicated to making these little changes. And I just did it consistently um, in sort of a large volume. And I think I've gotten my wish uh of it much much later than i thought and maybe not in the way i exactly wanted but and did I, you lose your you legendaries know? because of it maybe i don't think i i didn't ask for this <laughs> <laughs> but you did but i did ask for this no it is nice though like you said that the story's continuing there's a little brain teaser i just even though i'm so excited that you know it's harkening back to guild wars one I really hope it isn't just a side quest thing because it doesn't feel like it. something that was so pivotal. And I think I'm kind of repeating myself here, but something that was so pivotal for Guild Wars One doesn't feel like it should be side questy. Yeah, I guess, um, and maybe, maybe this is the sort of sense that ArenaNet feels about it. I guess what I would say is the 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 stuff that goes on in the raids isn't necessarily key to understanding the story. Um, it's more like an ex like you don't need it to understand the plot right like bandits are are bad um they're connected to the white mantle you can you can tell all that stuff without oh yeah i think the um the way arena net sort of sees it is that the raid content isn't critical to understanding the plot you can still understand that the bandits are bad and they have ties to the white mantle and and things like that without setting foot in the raids at all like it's it's definitely um something you can see by playing other types of content um but in terms of if you want that depth to it and you want to understand how and exactly what is happening that's what's happening in the raids which is um i think we feel that that's more critical to understanding the story as a whole than arena net does well i would posit that while you can make those connections that the vast majority of the player base will never do so without further pushing because those are pretty obscure if you're not like a huge lore buff uh whereas the raid i mean you know is explicitly telling you these things and there's that cinematic which if i recall correctly they did release um yeah you know, to the, the public channel yeah. yeah but again that's sort of one of those um super fan things it's yeah. It, there's there's a large number of people that just don't that just don't go and watch those videos or go to the website. Like if it's not in game, it's you know I mean it's it's obviously official canon, but as as far as a lot of people are concerned, like it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't imagine that if if it is if it is story critical, I can't imagine that when you know living three living story season three starts officially that they wouldn't say it out right there. Like, I just, I feel like we're not, like, we're we're still in the teaser phase, right? We're still in the um, pounding signs into the ground in Living Story Season 1 where we're like, oh, this has a dredge thing on it, or this has a flame legion thing on it, 
And a lot of fans put together that there were, you know, there was something going on before, you know, they explicitly said, oh my god, look, it's the Molten Alliance! I just, I, I think we're not quite far enough along to say that, you know, that is going on. But, you know, conversely, maybe it was not a smart move to put it, to put it out there in a raid first rather than in a more accessible way. Yeah. But, that, I mean, yeah, we're not really... The point of this episode isn't really to complain about that. I just, uh, since right. the point of the episode is to talk about the lore in general, it's uh, hard to not think about. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess, what do you... Robin, this is kind of mostly your show. You were the one that really oh. was excited about the connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, why don't you just uh, continue talking about whatever you were thinking about? Well, I think we covered most of it. I mean, um, maybe the fact that, you know, we're seeing... Uh, I guess I was really excited about the uh, the the Mersat names on these uh, bosses. That really got me thinking about all this stuff and going back and logging into Guild Wars 1 and everything. And then I was talking to Eric about it, who put a post on a Reddit, which I will link in the show notes if anyone wants to. Um, major tinfoil hat stuff. Um, but to sum it up, basically the uh, death of uh, the Mersat, you know, and the bandits have been living um, in secret, trying to charge the Bloodstones to either bring the uh, Mersat back or gain power, one or the other. And the theory here is that maybe the death of Mordremoth and the Leyline Surge over-infused um, their ritual, and now they've got more power than they know what to do with, which is affecting them, and all, but also allowed them to get to their goals much sooner. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting, uh, interesting read. It goes off into uh, a very tinfoil hat territory, but but yeah, you might want to take a look at that. Um, I don't know that I have much other to say. I think mean, we just had kind of discussion, and and yeah, we wanted to do another show. I wanted to do another show. Yeah, I think it's interesting how many things connected to the Mersot, uh, directly or indirectly, have already taken place in Guild Wars 2. I mm-hmm. mean, in Season 2, we basically did the Trials of Ascension, yeah. which the whole point in Guild Wars 1 was to get Ascended so that you could fight the Mersot. So you could <laughs> like, see them, yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, like, it's... So we did that, and we have actually Agony Resist as a stat for our armor and Agony, which is the signature, you know, giant middle finger attack that the Mersat were sort of infamous for. Yeah, and which is the, odd that we have that in Fractals, though, I'm just going to say. Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe maybe that just indicates some connection that the Mersat have to the Mists or yeah. something like that. Um so you know, the mists couldn't be not unlike the way they hide, as we've learned they did in in uh, which dungeon was it? Uh, Ara. Yeah, in Ara. Thanks. Yeah, it could be. Um, yeah. So it's just there's there's definitely things that are directly related to the Guild Wars one lore in that way, and you know I I don't know I actually don't really know the demographics of people who listen to this podcast in terms of how much Guild Wars one they played. Uh, if you didn't play Guild Wars 1, the <sighs> Krita used to be ruled by the White Mantle, and the players were sort of pivotal in overthrowing that power structure and seeding the ancestor of uh, Queen Jenna on yeah. the throne. Well, the uh, the Mersat drove back the Char when they were invading, is what happened, I think. Yes, uh, they did. And the sister kingdom, Ascalon, uh, fell. And yep. that is why the Char live in Ascalon now, or at least the Black Citadel is in Ascalon. So, yeah, like they were they were a big deal. And then eventually you sort of toppled their, their government. And with the Shining Blade, who were sort of a rebel, you know, rebel slash freedom fighter slash, you know, the... Uh, guerrilla organization that were opposing the Mersat, so that's who they used to be, and now they are the effective like bodyguards and sort of military. Ah, which reminds me, yes, this yeah. okay. So then we got War and Credit, which was kinda like it was after uh it was just like bonus content after uh Heart of Thorns, right? Heart of Thorns, uh Edge of the North. Eye of the North, Edge of the North, whatever the thing's <laughs> called. Yes. Gwen is what it was. Guild Wars and whatever. Anyway, so yes, there was that, and so well, I I got so excited I forgot what I was talking about. Mersat um, taking Lion's Arch. Mersat, yeah, because the Mersat fought back at us, it fought back against us in um, the War for Lion's Arch. It was called War and Krita. Yep. And so we had uh, this could see there could be links to this because uh, we already know that uh, what's his name, the guy who was banished by uh, oh man, I can't believe I'm forgetting all the names, guys. 
I'm, I'm talking Asura, the guy who was banished by Ula. Zin. Zin. Now, I'm that pretty sure... That entirely wrong. I hope not. I think it is Zin and his brother was Bin or something. But he was banished by Ula, and I think we have confirmation in Heart of Thorns that he founded Radanovus. That I know for sure is true. I do not know if he was banished by Ula. Um, I th think he was banished by Ula in that goofy update where you had... It's where you could get a... It's kind of a fun joke update that kind of turned into more. It was the one where you got um, Mox as a golem. It was a dervish golem you could have Yep, as a hero. Mm -hmm. Yep, it was huge. Yeah, and I think that's when you saw the trial when he was banished. So we know he made Radanovus, which we've been wondering what time he's been doing. You know, maybe time he's going to find more, or hopefully the Radanovans just went off somewhere else. I know there's some uh, theory that the Radanovans could have turned into the... Uh, the inquest, though I don't, I don't, I, that doesn't jive. I don't think that works for well, but hey, you never know. Um, but if uh, <clears throat> the other thing that was interesting about uh, Zim was that in Warren Krida, he was helping you learn weaknesses against Mursat, and he had the corpse of a seer, which were the enemies of the Mursat. Yep, which are who gave you the infusion. Exactly. Before. So it'd also be interesting to see if we get to learn more about the seers with this story development. So yeah, Warren Krida was, was pretty cool. Yeah. My favorite thing in Warren Krida was sort of an Easter egg, which was uh, I don't know if you'd call it an Easter egg, but uh, one of the um, one of the Mursat or Judicars or whatever uh, Justicars or whichever I don't remember exactly what the what the specific race of it was, but uh, was something like Inquisitor Isaiah uh, named after Izzy Cartwright, uh -huh. and he had the skill Isaiah's Balance, which basically <laughs> completely destroyed one of your skills. Um, because uh, there was a sort of infamous complete annihilation of one of the skills, I want to say Smiter's Boon, in PvP, because they just could not balance it, and so they just did effectively the the only effective way that they could remove it from the game, which was that they like quintupled its cost and gave it yeah. its duration. Its duration was like cut. It got cut by ninety percent or something, and its recharge time was increased by like five hundred percent. So it was just like and then nothing else was changed about it. So it was just completely useless. Um, and and then this this boss in Warren Krita had Isaiah's balance as a skill, which applied it to one of your skills. And yeah, I thought that like applied the same uh, debuffs basically that were done to Smiter's Boon, which I thought was uh, very on the nose, tongue in cheek, uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Um, related to that, I have two points related to that. Uh, related re related to Confessor was his title, Isaiah. Ah, in thank you. Raid Wing One in the cemetery just before. Um, Gorsival, actually, there is a tombstone that is nearly indecipherable. There are four letters on it, and it's uh, dot 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 o r i s dot dot dot. Um, so even in Raid Wing One, everyone went Confessor Isaiah. <laughs> <laughs> people, well, not everyone. People who are you know extremely in tune with the lore uh, had a very good guess who that was already. Um, the other thing was as part of the update with the bandits. Um, one of the rewards that you get for killing these bandits is uh, Crichton War Supplies. War Supplies, something like that. It's the same as uh, as the actual War and Krita reward items. Yeah. Um, they were like version, tokens to get the skins. Yeah. This version, however, um, when opened, drops raid food and amalgamated gemstones, which has helped alleviate a little bit of the pressure on those items. So is your pro tip for me for the day. God, I just remembered another thing from Warren Crito. There was also Inquisitor Bauer, which was a very direct reference to Jack Bauer from 24. <laughs> and he was always running around interrogating citizens <laughs> and like shouting at them like, yeah. tell me what, you know, tell me where they are. Tell me what you know. Yeah, man. Gilder's one. It was times. great. Man, yeah. The the, the tongue in cheek and the, the, the just the humor and not taking themselves too seriously in Gilder's one was awesome. Yeah. It's not related to Warren Crito, but remember in uh, Nightfall? When they did the play um, in the, the the one of the princes' cities, where they redid the the first mission from Guild Wars, they did the play from uh, what's his name Rurik escaping, and he's running through. He's like, "I was a boy in these lands. Now look at them." <laughs> <laughs> I I have to say, Christian and I use that as a meme quite often. Like, I spent much time in these lands as a boy. I uh, our our Guild Wars one meme is was a sort of basically a bug during one of the cutscenes where a guard runs up and is like Prince Rurik, Prince Rurik, Prince Rurik and he just goes, what? And he goes, Prince Rurik! 
<laughs> and we just like every once in a while say that to each other. <laughs> Did you ever do the one? Okay, now we're just getting into old Guild Wars 1 stuff, but I don't mind. Uh, there was a cutscene in the Ring of Fire uh, where Prince Rurik appeared and your character actually hits him. Uh, if you did that without weapons on, you could, like, straight up punch him in the face because your character would do an unarmed strike. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I ever did that. That's awesome. I highly I think, recommend it. I think with the cutscene you're talking about, Eric had a bunch of minions, so he's got, like, 40 minions <laughs> pounding on Rurik when he's trying to make a speech. We're right, like, oh, this is minions, hilarious. Minions would always get in the cutscenes, and they were always still hostile or still fighting whatever, yeah. so they yeah, because the way that they did cutscenes was just, dance. like, pausing, like, and taking control of things with the in-game engine, and so you could always bug them out with certain effects. Yeah, that was a big, air quote, problem in Cantha with, like, millions of low-quality enemies that were really easy to turn into minions, and then you'd have these, like, cutscenes where Shiro's like, I have returned from the grave, and there's, like, <laughs> a million minions eating his face off. Uh, it was yeah. always minions. Yeah, it was always me. Yeah, it was, it was great. Games. Maybe occasionally a pet, like a ranger pet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Christian had a freaking crane that would <laughs> get all up in your business. <laughs> or the flamingos. <laughs> yep. Also, uh, my rainbow phoenix, which I affectionately named Rainbow Turkey. God, those were hideous. I loved them. Did you love them because they were hideous? Uh, well, uh, truly, we loved them because they're the largest pet you could get, and they took up like a solid third of your screen. So uh, when we would hamstorm with four four spear trucker rangers with pets, we would all take rainbow phoenixes and quite literally blind the, our opponents, and then that's pretty funny. Them to death. We also ran pigs and flamingos. I mean, there wasn't there wasn't a set rule to hamstorming, but uh. Rainbow Rainbow Phoenix was my my pet of choice. Yeah. Oh man. All right. Well, we're moving pretty pretty far afield here. Was there anything else we wanted to talk about in terms of speculation or hopes for future content or things like that? Or are we pretty much just gonna sort of play it by ear and see um, where things go? Uh, how about we read our mail and then because we sort of already answered the question in our mail, I'll pose you guys a new question. Okay, I'm glad you reminded me or got me on track and I kind of awkwardly jumped us to Warren Kreida because I did want to hit that. But I'll read the mail in my best uh, old person impression. Yeah. Crybox spirit, you adorable rag muffins. Hail, my friends. It's old timey friend, you know, from Tyria. Anyway, I was just preparing a heaping bowl of my famous meaty worm surprise when a question came to mind. <laughs> Sadly, that question almost immediately disappeared into blackness of old time's mind hole. But then I spotted a band of roaming bandits out of my window, and it got me thinking. With all the hubbub about the white ma white mantle making a comeback, do you think we'll be seeing or slaying any of those mercits anytime soon? Last old time I heard, there was only one left. But who knows? Stay sharp, you old moa feathers. Look forward to hearing your smiling voices on the shortwave. Ah, old timey fen is really southern. Yeah, back to I, that old I'm glad that you read that because I could not figure out how to pronounce Winders. Like, winders. I was like Winders. Like, what the hell are Winders? Winder? Like, I think, also, I think old time you got fend got more southern as I read. It. Yes. I mean, it feels it feels required. It feels appropriate. I don't think you uh, embellished particularly, but also I kind of lost it at meaty worm surprise. Um, uh. So, fun fact about old-timey Fend, I've known Fend since uh, er, later Guild Wars 2 days, when I was playing, but, you know, back in the day. Or, Guild sorry, Wars Guild 1 days, you mean? Yeah. Uh, old-timey Fend was a bald paragon with cat ears, a long beard, and pink paragon armor. Uh, which I mean, was there any you... other kind of paragon armor? <laughs> uh, but for those of you who aren't very familiar with paragon armor, it was, it was typically white and then had metal that you could dye. Um, and there was lots of midriff. Yes, much midriff. And, and they were skirts. Yeah. And skirts. For men as well. They were armor skirts. <laughs> like, like you know, chainmail bikinis? They were basically like that, but for both genders. Like, it and, wasn't... Uh, yeah. Yeah. And nipple plates. Yeah. Great pink nipple plates. In a way that Batman would be proud of. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So that is that is what I had in mind as you were reading in that Southern accent. Uh-oh. <laughs> My buddy had a my buddy had a paragon named Creepy Grandpa or Creepy Santa Claus, something like that, and he looked extremely Santa Clausular, except in that armor. It was uh 
Santa Clausular might be my favorite adjective. My my paragon in Guild Wars One was named General Branford, and he had a big gray beard, and he just kind of looked a little bit like you know Charlton Heston Moses. Yeah, that's in, in that sounds armor. about right. Yeah, yeah. Did everyone have an old timey paragon? Did I, we just said they're all very old? No, mine mine was female, uh, sort of Egyptian looking. I actually really liked her. Anyway, uh, but like Miani so, at the forge. Yeah, but we actually very much like that. That's actually really close. Yeah, um, yeah. We sort of answered that. I think obviously they very explicitly referenced the Mersat in the cutscene that they released slash that was from the end of Raidwing Two. Also, I just want to call back that um, when Heart of Thorns was just being teased to us. Uh, many of us, myself at the forefront, believed that the um, Exalted were related to Mersat. So, yeah. um, you know, I, it seems like they've got the kind of modeling stuff ready. You know, it's just got to recolor it. <laughs> just like a new gem store skin. Which, um, this is maybe getting out there on the tinfoil hat stuff. Considering that, you know, the Mersat always had jade armor mm. as their minions... Which we found that Golomancy and Necromancy aren't that different, so I would imagine that whatever those jade armors were are basically some sort of necro golems. And since the Mursat, Mursat since the uh, the other ones we were just talking about, just been bad with names today. Exalted? You become a dad and you lose. Yes, the Exalted. Thank you. The Exalted um, uh, are obviously you know humans or whatever fused into that armor. What if the Mursat come back and have some way of controlling them because their technology in that area is so good that'd be pretty crazy i hear it just costs you an arm and a leg to make <laughs> one of those things uh... <laughs> uh, anyway uh, what was your question that you wanted to redirect us to since we had sort of already answered that through the course of our meandering topics spirit so all of all of the lore i guess not all of it aside, but you know all of the possible story implications aside if we were to fight a Mersat as a raid boss. What type of abilities do you imagine it having, and how would you make that fight go? Well, it obviously have to have the agonizing touch, and I think it'd be more interesting for them to put some some sort of mechanic in the arena to stop it instead of just saying, "Oh, you have infused armor from um, fractals, and you're good." Yeah, I mean, I could see some sort of like maybe maybe there's like a captive seer or something, and you could go and there you go. like you have to like run over and he'll cleanse you of your agony debuff or give you a resistance to it or something like that. Um, gosh, how about a part where there's just like forty of those bastards like in a crew <laughs> just gossiping along, and you're not supposed to go fight them, and then Kilroy Stonekin just yellows it. <laughs> Going back to my Guild Wars one days, um, <laughs> or you know, you you have two groups that you're ostensibly supposed to fight, but if you just you know the the Easter egg is that if you actually don't engage either of them, they'll just kill each other. Yeah, <laughs> because the, there are two groups of Mursat. One are the ones that have been hiding in the mist, and one are Lazarus Lazarus's crew. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Yeah, internal power struggles. There you go. I sort of like uh, the idea of having a um, one of the, actually one of the things, and I I'm not entirely sure it was on purpose or if it was just sort of a manifestation of how the fractal was made in um, the Ascalonian fractal. Actually, a lot of the groups, especially at low levels, all of these sort of groups of mobs come in fours, and they tend to be balanced parties, like in Guilders One. So it'd be like an elementalist, a warrior, a monk and a ranger or mm. something like that i would like to see a boss fight that is four bosses at the same time um maybe like a couple jade constructs and two mersat and you're fighting all four of those bosses at the same time and okay. one of them could be well the unpleasant yeah and they could all each have like a very defined profession and you have to sort of um manage what all of them are doing as well as uh, maybe making them hurt each other or attempting to anyway that's always been one thing that I thought was really innovative about Guild Wars 1, and I'm kind of sad that it just went to the wayside in Guild Wars 2, was that most, um, almost every monster in Guild Wars 1 had the player, like, had a player profession mm -hmm. or a set of player skills, and they used the same skills that you had access to as a player. Um, I just thought that that added an interesting level of consistency and it sort of, like tactical 
tactical level and the fact that because Guild Wars 1 was instanced so heavily, it was meant to be always in a party, either of players or, oh, excuse me, or NPCs. And so because of that, and because they expected you to always have full parties, even if you were playing solo, in air quotes, the enemies were very often in groups that were balanced professions, or maybe not balanced, but like had had some like unifying theme of the professions that were in them. And so sometimes you'd get sort of balanced compositions, sometimes you'd get things that were not necessarily balanced, but that had strong synergies with each other, you know? So like maybe they didn't yeah. have monks, but they would have like mesmers and necros to just like hex the crap out of you. Um, <laughs> like in the shores of Krita, where they were all like water Ellie's and necros and yeah. mesmers, and they just slowed you down all the time. Yeah, yeah, I liked that because on top of just the mechanics that you were mentioning, it made the lore feel more organic too because when you're fighting, I was just thinking the Murgoyles, who are mesmers, it makes it seem like, you know, humans have been around. They've seen these creatures use these and not only have they found out what to do, they've refined it and made it its own, you know, profession. We're using this type of magic that occurs in nature. It just had an organic feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um Fun fact, did we ever talk about the origin of skills in Guild Wars 1 back uh, in in the beta and how they used to all be rings? I, I didn't know. play Guild Wars 1 beta. Even if we haven't, uh, even if we have, I think it's worth talking about, so go ahead. Yeah, so back in back in the beta, uh, you had 8 skills in Guild Wars 1 instead of uh, 10, but the assumption is that you don't wear a ring on your thumb, and each of your skills was supposed to be basically the power you gained from a magical ring of some sort or another, which is why you could swap them out whenever you went to town. And sort of that was their explanation for why mm -hmm. you had skill swapping, but also only had a finite number of skills at a time. It didn't work out like World of Warcraft, where you just get like a million skills and a million different versions of the same skill that you either you know don't use or, or whatever. Um, is is that you were equipping these rings, which is where the signets as a skill type came from, because like a signet ring, it is a type of ring that is not like a normal type of ring, but it is still a ring nonetheless. And so that's where signets came from is, you know, they were rings. Um, so I that uh, that also explains sort of why you could do dual professions, um, because, again, it was they were rings that you wore mm -hmm. and that element of the lore basically <clears throat> disappeared and i don't really know why other than maybe they just decided that they didn't like it but you know uh, whatever <laughs> it's just uh uh That's just a, just an interesting tidbit yeah that is interesting and today. yeah i liked i liked the you know just the diversity of builds and the interesting things you could do i mean there was so much and i mean this kind of goes back to what you're saying about isaiah's balance there were things that were so hard to balance and i felt bad oh, yeah. for the team sometimes so cool. I mean, it was Build Wars, as we'll affectionately call it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't really know that I had a point with that, but it just popped into my mind for some reason when we were talking about, uh, you know, player skills and monsters having those player skills and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I really like that idea though of having having a boss party, if you will, not just a boss and boss yeah. and a bunch of trash. <laughs> I really like the idea of them using profession skills on us until I actually get to that, in which case I'll be like, oh my god, I'm so sick of um, insert skill here. I don't know which one I would hate most. Probably anything that gives them retaliation, because I hate retaliation. Oh, man. That makes me think of Guild Wars 1, where my brother would always play an elemental, so he'd always have Meteor Shower. And he'd just Meteor Shower everything. If he saw something casting it, he'd be like, interrupt it, interrupt it now. I was always the mesmer. <laughs> Yeah, that was always uh, really bad you for you. Uh, yeah. Can you imagine uh, enemy necromancer epidemicing you? Ooh. <laughs> yes, I can. Uh, transferring conditions back to you, gross. I want especially it so especially if they were a pair. Like that would be the two jade armors. Uh. Would be jade armor necromancers <laughs> that did double double epis. I, yeah, actually, that would be a really like a really cool way of doing it. Is um, one of the things that you know. I guess bringing it, bring it back to Guild Wars 1 again. One of the things they did, especially with War and Krita, is they took player builds and they put did. them against They us. did. They did. It was awesome. We freaked out. They were very effective. They were. Uh, yeah, it turns out players like to use effective builds. Yeah. Who knew? Oh, man. I wouldn't mind seeing that again, despite it hurting my face every which way. I would be very yeah. pleased. Oh, yeah, good times. That was, that was cool. Yeah. All right, well, I think we're 
mostly running out of steam in terms of stuff to talk about that's new so if you guys are about ready to start wrapping it up move in towards uh cast cast and possibly trader arcade do you guys have a lot to talk about trade arcade i put it in the notes because if you guys had something you want to talk about it is all i've got i can always talk so okay let's do a cast <laughs> cast and then we'll do a little bit of trade arcade okay cool. All right, hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast and the podcast, but the cast for the podcast and South Cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. I'm turning it over to Robin. Hey, so thank you this week, because I was in World v. World to, you know, the World v. Worlders for, you know, recognizing me, saying, hey, you're an RO, when are you going to put a show out? So I guess the show is dedicated to you guys, because I'm like, yeah, we should put a show out. And I made the notes, <laughs> I tweeted people, and now you're listening. So yeah, thanks a bunch. You know who you are. That's code for I don't know who you are. It is. <laughs> I was in a Zerg, you know, there was HOD on my left and Darkhaven on my right, and someone's whispering me, and I'm like, oh no, I'm going to have to Mesmerport, I'm, I can't take the stress. Oh, they want to show? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. You know, we're just peeling back the curtain of uh, how organized that. we are. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, did we have any other cast cast? Nope, that's all I got. I just said that Robin should give them a shout out, because they sound like cool people. I mean, anybody that likes us is cool people. It's That's not a self-serving analysis. Aww. It's subjective fact. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. That's how that works, right? Uh, yeah, and then Trader Arcade. Uh, has anybody else been playing anything else lately? Well, I got into the... Well, I played the Overwatch beta when it was the few days that you could. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I liked it, except I had lag issues like 40% of the time. And Ooh. I think it's related to what everyone's talking about, how the response time from, well, everyone's talking about, I've seen a bunch of YouTube videos, the response time from the Blizzard servers just isn't up to snuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it was just awful. At first, I thought someone was using some weird ability on me that I didn't know, because the lag in that game is very bouncy. Mm -hmm. At least it was for me, where I'd be bumped around. So I really liked the game. It was fun. But I'm glad the beta was there, because with the way my internet's working, I couldn't really reliably play it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's good to be able to find those things out. I that's really sad to hear. I haven't had any lag problems at all. So uh, yeah, it was it wasn't even rubber banding. It was really felt like I was being pushed around. That's why I thought, oh, is there some some character using some sort of weird gravity ability on me that I don't know about? But then it continued, and I'm like, oh, okay. But no, it yeah. was fun. I mean, when it wasn't lagging, it was it was great. I really liked how the tanks um, and the, the the defense heroes just really could do that especially if you played well they could keep a team safe in escorting you know the the car that you're escorting or in just you know keeping your other players safe the dynamics pushing, of the different players choke points yeah yeah um the yeah. the big german guy with the shield he's it's just a lot of fun to play that a lot of fun Reinhardt. when you're playing uh, when rectangle you're playing man. um rectangle man a lot of fun to uh, play with him when someone knows how to play him too i mean he's got a rocket hammer so yeah yeah, it's I, I like the way that they do tanks in that game where tanks are I, I've always hated taunt mechanics. So I'm really glad that they don't use taunt mechanics. And instead, tanks are some combination of really good at protecting allies, either through shields, uh, like, you know, physically interposing themselves or mm -hmm. applying a temporary shield to an ally, sort of like a prop monk in Guild Wars 1 would do, mm -hmm. uh, and also largely being threats in whatever their threat ranges were. So it was like, if you don't focus down the tank, you're going to have a bad day. Like, it, it wasn't just like, focus down the tank because you have to focus down the tank because there's a mechanic that makes you do it. It's like, they are their own threats, but what they trade that in for is by physically being huge and imposing targets, so they're easy to hit. And they also uh, don't generally have very many mobility abilities, um, like some of the attack heroes do. And yeah, uh, yeah, I really like how they did tanks. But then just when you think he, that Reinhardt doesn't have a mobility ability, rocket hammer in the face and you're pinned up against the wall. Well, there is that. Yeah, there is that. My wife always, um, whenever she's talking about that ability, she always uh, mistakenly calls it his ult because whenever it hits you, it pretty much kills you. Yeah. And so she always thinks of it as an ult, but it's not. His ult is mm -hmm. better. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Overwatch, uh, as has my wife, as has a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are playing Overwatch these days. It had, I want to say like 9 million people like played the beta or something like that like it was a huge number um so yeah i think the game is uh doing well for blizzard i think they're oh. they're doing good did you guys watch any of the uh, animated shorts i have no, that, i was kind of thinking i think i've seen the one the scientist <laughs> the, the monkey Where, 
where he's where he's uh, calling back the call other heroes. Like, you have to call him a scientist. You have to call him a scientist. Yeah. Now I was thinking about that. If you guys have seen those, um, does that mean that maybe uh, more people than we thought would have seen the uh, the, the cutscene at the end of Raid Wing Two that they put on YouTube? Uh, I'm going to say no, because Blizzard's marketing is everywhere, and yeah. if you go onto any gaming site or any news feed, uh, you know, like Massively Overpowered, or IGN, or, you know, any of those things, or you go to Reddit, um, they link to those things, because Blizzard is a gigantic marketing machine, and lots of people saw those that don't play that game, whereas... The only way you will see that Guild Wars cinematic is if you it's follow true. them on Twitter or, um, you know, or or watch their website. So, it's which true. is a much smaller percentage of the player base than Blizzard <laughs> in general. Um, but either way, I liked. I think there's what three or four out. I think I've watched all of them, or whatever, three or whatever. And uh, I liked them a lot. I really liked the one that uh, had the uh, the brothers. Yeah, Hanzo and Genji. Yeah. Yeah. One thing, one one cool fact about that is all of those shorts take place in a map in Overwatch, and um, some of the like in the in the one with Hanzo and Genji, uh-huh. um, the some of the aftermath of their fight is actually in the map. Like the oh, wall cool. scroll thing that Genji slices open uh-huh. is like still damaged, and you can go t- like it is in those maps. So um, I thought that was a nice touch. That's like, yeah, neat little details. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I've been playing that. Um, anybody playing Doom? It took me way too long to download it, <laughs> and I'm kind of annoyed because I went and got it at the got the DVD, but it was only seven gigabytes, and then I had to download like forty three more, and it's like, oh my gosh, oh, that's pretty bad. Yeah, but at least I got seven. You know, but uh, so I've barely gotten into it. Maybe next we'll have to talk about it next time if you guys are playing. But I don't know. Are you guys interested? Um, I haven't because I've been playing so much Overwatch, but I have some friends that have played it, and they enjoyed it, so... Uh, yeah. And then I've been playing Valkyria Chronicles, which is an older... I want to say PlayStation 3 game that was re-released on... or that was released on PC long ago, but I didn't know about it, and there was just a remaster that came out, and I'm enjoying it, because it is a Japanese RPG semi-tactical weird hybrid of turn-based slash action sort was of that i don't also know on playstation that's what i mean it was yeah it was originally on playstation 3 oh, okay. i think um or are you thinking of like valkyrie profile the really old i think i might be thinking of that yeah i thought they were related but they're not as oh, far okay. as i can tell but uh yeah it's sort of like a pseudo world war Two era uh so you're like regular military dudes and you have a tank and various you know foot soldierly roles and you don't have magic um but, you know, magic is sort of being rediscovered. So, anyway, interesting game. Hmm. Um, it's got a very unique system. Anyway, so that's what I've been playing. Um, yeah, so I guess that's Trader Arcade. I can talk about Overwatch for <laughs> literally hours, but instead I'm probably just going to finish this up and then go play Overwatch for literally more hours. <laughs> so I haven't been playing anything. I'm going to... I'm going... Uh... IRL raiding to fight mountain parrots in a battle to the death is what I've been telling my raiders so I can't be there for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, so consequently, we are probably going to... It's probably going to be a while unless something incredibly epic happens that we need to talk about without Spirit, um, because otherwise we'll probably just put it off and do a show in a couple of weeks. So, heads up. Um, although Spirit neglected to tell me that until... Uh, Surprise! Ten minutes before the podcast started, so you know you uh, roll with the punches. <laughs> but if uh, we anyway. have to, we'll we'll corral um, Evie or Shunkaku, and we'll we'll do a show if we have to. Yeah, I mean, if something like crazy happens, we'll definitely talk about it. But uh, otherwise, you know, we're kind of we're kind of just shooting the breeze and coming up with random stuff to talk about. So uh, you know, you can live without us for a couple weeks, I guess. But anyway, thank you for listening, and it's been fun to record again. And I, yeah, we, we will we will talk at you next time. Hope to see you sooner rather than later. Yes, that's a, that's a good way to end it. Peace. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. 
Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.